Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Happy Monday, everybody. I'm going to jump right in here. I've got a bunch to go over. Um, I even have some audio to play as well. But first of all, I kind of want to revisit a few things that, that were covered last week that I think are, are important to bring up again. The first has to do with, again, this business of the exemption forms that are taking place and, and being used and utilized a lot of different places. My overall, I don't, I don't know if it's a prediction or just, uh, just sort of a general belief, is that I think that the exemption forms, while useful, potentially in the short term, and while they have worked for some in some settings, <clears throat> I really do believe that it's a temporary, it's a delay tactic, for, for lack of a better word. I just think it's a delay tactic. I think it's a tactic that the quote-unquote enemy is using to delay the inevitable. Because again, in, in the previous episodes and all of the examples that have been brought up here on this podcast from, from multiple different professions now, from the federal government right down to the American K-12 state level, and I, I had an individual reach out to me this week from Canada um, where the exact same thing is happening with, with, with their family member and, and their university as well. And even they said, I believe, that everybody at their particular university in Canada, everybody's walking around with the exact same mask on, that they're not allowed to use different masks, that they all have to use the exact same. So when they're driving through the campus and they're looking around, it looks... It looks like a communistic work camp, for, for lack of a better word or a better saying, I guess. Um, I, I just think that the exemption forms, again, are a delay tactic because they're already discriminating against individuals who have checked the box that says, I'm not jabbed, not going to, here's my religious exemption, or here's my what whatever, versus the individuals who have checked all the jab boxes and I've been jabbed and can't wait to get the third and XYZ. It, it, the enemy is categorizing the human race into who's going along with their plan and who isn't. And that seems to be the back and forth that I'm seeing here. I know I'm not alone in that regard. I'm not saying that I'm unique in that in that revelation, so to speak, but I just think that the exemption stuff, the entire exemption talk is, while informative, and it certainly needs to continue to exist, and I'm not saying they haven't worked, they certainly have. I just think that it is a delay tactic. I think it's delaying the inevitable. I think they're going to cut loose anyway the individuals that aren't taking the jabs, regardless of the viability or sound nature of, of their own exemption forms. I think that's that's coming down the line, and the same is true with countless students as well. Um, all it takes is again individuals in the in the HR departments of either K twelve university or federal government settings just saying the word no as far as your exemption is concerned. They can say, "Well, you've never done this in the past. You've never said or affiliated with this, that, or the other in the past." So the answer is no. And again, I don't mean to be doom and gloom about it. Because if the exemption forms work, then keep them coming and 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 keep pushing back. Uh, 
but there's no doubt that there is a mathematical algorithm that the enemy is playing out here where they're saying, okay, we have this percentage that are playing our game the way that we want, and we have this percentage that aren't. But even the ones that are filling in the exemptions, they're still filling in the exemptions, which means in the future, we'll just keep having them do that. And then they'll either be able to do this, that, or they won't be able to do a number of things within our work setting or, or our uh, educational setting. So I think it's, again, just to summarize quickly on that, I think it's a delay tactic. I don't think the exemption talk is going to get better over time. I think that in, uh, it's, it's probably going to get worse as time goes on. But again, I'm not saying that to discourage people from using them if they need them. Continue to use them. Please look them up. And there's another place to look them up, which, by the way, was in one of my BitChute videos, which was highlighted by a man who's, who's got killer videos, and his name has slipped my mind. But the Solari Report. Look up the Solari Report. I think it's S-O-L-A-R-I, and I believe that's run by Catherine Austin Fitz, if I'm not mistaken. And in the blue bar on that website, which I will put in the des uh, description below of this episode, they do have a list of again, more exemptions and, and different kinds of exemption forms. So again, I'm not saying that they haven't worked. I know that they have, and I'm not saying that they won't work in the future. They, they probably will, but the candle's being burned at both ends here and uh, calling it a rock and a hard place is an understatement. So again, that's, that's just my take here. Um, moving on to the next thing, it shouldn't shock anybody with this either, but the American Medical Association is coming after ivermectin because it works. So there's that little tidbit, which I wanted to mention. And again, that was from last week. And then again, they're eliminating the drugs that work, which means they probably work for more than just the one thing they're coming, them at, they're coming after them for. And ivermectin, of course, regarding the academic papers has been shown to wipe out cancer. So there's that fun fact. Um, getting more into American K-12 school news here. Again, shouldn't shock anybody because this isn't the only place where this has happened, but it, it, uh, it certainly did happen. Um, and this comes from Networking Vegas, if I'm saying that right, or I'm sorry, NetworkInVegas.com, and it's titled Las Vegas Elementary School Teacher Tapes Mask to Fourth Grader's Face. Says a mother of a nine-year-old student at Carolyn S. Redmond Elementary School in Las Vegas contacted us earlier this week with a horrifying story of how kids were being humiliated by their teacher who was upset when they didn't wear their mask properly. Um, to teach them lessons, she began taping their mask to their face to humiliate them in front of the class. Again, child abuse. It's These environments are, are sanctioning child abuse. They've shown their hands. These stories are, are getting more and more repetitive, and it really is the destruction of these environments that has to continue to happen in the future. I mean, it's happening now, and we're seeing it, and seeing it and talking about it is a difficult thing, to say the least, but people have to understand, again, that this has been going on for quite some time, way more than a year and a half. These abuses in K-12 environments and in higher ed environments have been going on now since the inception of school, in particular at the public level, where you have unions and administrative bodies that have been backing up these kinds of abusive teachers for a very long time. And again, the Project Veritas stuff in the past couple of weeks 
has continued to expose all of that, and again, rightfully so. But again, it's unfortunate and it's not new. So I'm going to play this little audio from that Las Vegas school and their local news, Fox 5 KVVU-TV Las Vegas. So give this a listen. The mom of a local nine-year-old boy is demanding his substitute teacher be fired after she says that a teacher taped a face mask to her son's face when he did not wear it properly in the classroom. She spoke to us under the condition that we not use her name or show her face, worried her son could be further traumatized at school, but wanting other parents to know what is happening in one fourth grade classroom. I, I was furious, furious. I was, I was scared for my son on what kind of like long-term effect it's going to have on him socially. Uh, the fact that the entire class was laughing. This mom of a fourth grade student at Reedham Elementary in Mountain's Edge says his substitute teacher stepped way over the line when the nine-year-old failed to properly wear his mask in class. He went to get a sip of water, forgot to put the mask on teacher then did not tell him to put it back on or send him to the office. She instead pulled him up in the front of the classroom in front of all of the students and she then taped the mask across the top of his face. The mom says the sub added a second layer of tape from his nose to his forehead and with tape still on his face, he went to the office to pick up homework he'd forgotten at home and his dad dropped off. When he went to the office to pick up that homework is when one of the administrators noticed the tape on his face. Alarmed, that administrator took the tape off of the child and alerted the principal who went to the classroom to investigate filling out this report. And she saw another student, who she thought was my son, with tape on their face as well. This mom later asked her son, had other students also had their masks taped to their face? He said yes. It's been happening in his classroom since the beginning of the school year. He says that he remembers up to five. This mom says it is not a political issue. She has no problem with the mask mandate, but says nine-year-olds like her son are often forgetful and should never be punished, purposefully embarrassed in this way. He was very upset. He was crying. He was humiliated. Fox 5 questioned the school district about this incident. They responded, quote, The district is aware of the isolated incident and is dealing with the employee through the proper channels. The principal proactively notified the family of the investigation. But that's not good enough for this mom. I don't think this woman has any business teaching children, for one. Number two, I think parents need to know what's going on in the classrooms. It's it's crazy. Um, Corporal punishment in schools should not be happening. And the mom also filed a police report about the teacher putting her hands on the student. She's also now looking at changing schools or possibly moving to a charter school. There are too many things wrong with that story to really know where to start. Excuse me, but let me at least attempt, let me at least find a place and, and, and attempt to address this. The title of the article says nothing about a substitute teacher, which is exactly why you have to dive a little deeper, listen to audio, try to find audio associated with such stories, in particular when a parent is being interviewed or is on the record as saying something. You really are going to learn a little bit more than just hitting a headline and then running away. I'm guilty of that as well. We're all guilty of it. But it was a substitute teacher. That's worth noting. 
So the substitute teacher has lost their mind. Not unusual, unfortunately. Um, the next thing is, well, I, I don't know who's more ill-informed or and more brain damaged, the substitute teacher or the mother. The mother openly said that she's not against the mask mandates, or at least the news reporter indicated that that was the case. But that the mother was now all of the sudden worried about the long-term effect of having their child wear tape over their mask to keep the mask on their face. That that bothers them, but not the actual mask wearing itself. Again, which is it? What bothers you more? Where do you draw the line? This is, this is arguably the most problematic aspect of what's been going on, and this is the Stockholm Syndrome and Munchausen Syndrome that's taking place. They're having, I've used this example before, but they're taking, it's, it's the chain dog effect again. They're taking one link out of the chain every single time and just bringing the dog closer and closer to the stake in the ground that, that's holding them there. So much so to the point where the actual student and the parents who are in charge of that student and legally responsible for their safety don't seem to care that the abuse is happening incrementally over the course of time and that that right there is chipping away at the psyche of the minor. Just a little bit at a time. The mask was bad enough. That's a, that's a link in the chain. We're going to take that link away by adding a mask, and then the distancing, and now the tape on the face. When 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 are these parents going to draw the line? Because again, I I understand that there is a spectrum of individuals and a spectrum of thought and a spectrum of psychological damage that's taking place with what's been going on because it is psychological warfare, but. When is a person going to take a stand and just say no? Fortunately, at the end, they indicated we're going to try to find a charter school or we're going to try to do this or we're going to try to do that. Again, I, I, I don't know the specifics of the child and, and, and their so-called uh, learning needs, so to speak, but the overwhelming train of thought has always been if they are of age where they can read, then they can certainly teach themselves. Again, I, I fully understand that there are other circumstances at play there, but again, th these environments have jumped the shark. And it, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be honest, it's really getting exhausting for me personally to continue to read these stories and hear this. Because um, I know that with, with, with each one of these individual stories, there are endless positive stories where individuals have pulled, them, have, have pulled their children out of these environments and environments like them. They've sent them to environments that aren't doing this. And I applaud each and every one of them for doing it. But again, I would encourage individuals to continue to think to themselves, how many more links in the chain are you going to give away when it comes to the well-being of your own flesh and blood because that part of it is is not a game that's a that's a giant on purpose that's happening on purpose um and that's a big big deal so that's something that everybody's going to have to come to grips with
And there's no way that a human being can actually rationalize putting tape on a person's face when the mask is theoretically tape in itself. And the mask itself is bad enough. So, there's that. Um, here's another one. And I'm glad that this has happened, this particular story, because it opens a door. And it opens a very unique door for me, and I have a giant smile on my face as I'm saying this, practically from ear to ear. Um, it provides me a nice open door to openly discuss a very uh, interesting subject, which is the subject of Sandy Hook. And I'm going to bring that up right now. So, first of all, this is from the NewYorkPost.com, and this was from September 3rd. And it's titled, Remington Subpoenas Report Cards of Kids Killed in Sandy Hook Massacre. I'm going to read part of this, and then we're going to go back in time. We're going to jump in the old time machine, and we're going to go backwards. And I'm going to describe my own revelation with this outrageous, fraudulent crime. Um, and, and how I came to arrive at the actual, the, the actual truth of what went on there. Because, again, anybody can do this, and I highly recommend you do it. Uh, the article starts off by saying this, Remington Arms, the maker of the AR-15 rifle. Well, it's no. See, that's already wrong. It's the maker of a AR-15, not the AR-15, but whatever. Um, that was used in the, quote-unquote used, in the 2012 massacre at Sandy Hook Elementary School has subpoenaed the report cards, attendance records, and disciplinary records of five children killed in the shooting, according to court documents. On Thursday, attorneys representing the nine families of victims of the massacre filed a motion that sought to protect against further subpoenas. Well, why would that be the case? Why would they not want their dead children's, quote-unquote, disciplinary records, attendance records, and report cards? Hmm. It then says, the filing revealed that Remington's lawyers subpoenaed the New Newtown Public School District seeking application and admission paperwork, attendance records, transcripts, report cards, disciplinary records, correspondence, and other school records of the children. It then says there is no conceivable way that these records will assist Remington in its defense, and the plaintiffs do not understand why Remington would invade the family's privacy with such a request, lawyers for the family said in a court filing. Then, of course, this is just, the, the truth is being revealed here regarding this, and I, and I love it. I love it. Just squeezing them. Squeezing the lie. All right. <clears throat> the quote-unquote families of the quote-unquote dead children slash students quote-unquote is, is, is being denied by these parents' lawyers for the most obvious reason. It didn't happen and they can't provide the records because it didn't happen which means they're going to have to provide fraudulent records in court. Do you see how the lying snowball continues to roll downhill and get bigger and bigger and bigger, and then it eventually crashes? Now, I'm going to put a period on that. Let's jump in the time machine and go back to December 
of 2012. Excuse me. I was teaching school at the time. I was teaching high school. It was my first semester of teaching high school. I detested it, not because of the students. It was because of the administration and just the general attitude of the people who worked in the building. I've never seen so many people hate so many students in my entire life. It was awful. On top of that, when this happened, I remember right when I was when I turned on the television and heard about it. Because people were kind of talking about it at school, and I thought, well, I haven't seen anything, and I haven't heard anything, and I'm just going to wait until I get home, and then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to at least watch some of what's on the news and see what's being said. I remember a friend of mine who was also a colleague, we were standing there in my living room and we're, and we're watching this on TV and I mean, he's saying, oh, this is just awful, this is awful. And I'm saying to myself, I'm, I'm not taking a stance one way or another here. I was looking at it, in all honesty, I was looking at it saying to myself, yes, it's horrible if it happened. In my head, I'm saying the part, if it happened. And then on the other end, I'm, I'm, I am asking myself a variety of questions. I'm saying, the, I'm basically saying the following. I'm saying, where's the blood? Where are the bodies? Because I'm not seeing any blood or any bodies. And I'm not seeing anybody take anybody to an ambulance. I'm not seeing any of this. The next question I had was, where's the security footage? Because they would have to have security footage of this quote-unquote Adam Lanza person coming up to the, to the front door. It's an elementary school, allegedly, in 2012. You have to have security of this. So that was, that was really all the questions I asked myself at the time. I didn't go any further with it, in all honesty. I didn't investigate anything. I had more to do. My mind was already mush with where I was working and what I was doing. And I thought to myself, you know, I, okay, whatever. It happened um, very selfishly, no skin off my back, whatever. Not my kid, don't care. Now keep in mind that's not an un- that's not an uh, an uncompassionate uh, approach because I was thinking to myself again all of those previous questions I'm not seeing any actual bodies all I'm hearing are a lot of excuses as to why we can't see this we can't read that we can't be shown this and I even remember one of the alleged doctors coming out and saying oh we're not going to show any of the pictures of the dead bodies and we've taken pictures of all the dead bodies but we're not going to show it because it's just too gruesome and it's just too gruesome and I thought to myself again that's odd because we see a lot of gruesome stuff on television on the nightly news on a day in and day out basis including cable news but you don't want to show the pictures of this that seems odd. That was the end of it. I put the entire subject down, and unfortunately, from a policy standpoint, every American school jumped into overdrive with their security procedures, one security procedure after another, and it was absurd. And then, of course, the political uh, ramifications of what happened next, where Joe Biden himself, while a senator at the time, I'm sorry, he was vice president at the time, vice president, uh, immediately started going after guns and gun control. And they, they went after some vote on the Senate floor or House floor, and it didn't pass, thank God. But they were going after 
the AR-15 style rifle, um, calling them weapons of war and blah, blah, blah. And that's where that phrase really started. And then the fake tears from Obama and blah, blah, blah. And I remember watching all of that and thinking, okay, problem, solution, problem, solution. They're manufacturing something here. But again, I put it all down and I didn't think, I didn't think twice about it. Now, fast forward to, I'd say it was the spring uh, of 2015. So approximately th uh, two and a half years later, I'm in graduate school. And I'm writing a graduate paper. And the graduate paper had to do with curriculum. The, the course was curriculum and instruction for my doctorate. But the paper that I was writing was approximately 37 to 40 pages. And it was loaded with references, over 60 references, I think, or, or somewhere around there. And again, the paper that I was writing had to do with school security. And I was allowed to write it, and we were given free reign to write about a particular curriculum slash instruction slash school policy thing that we wanted to write about. And I found myself, again, writing about school security. One of the papers that I came across, and this was the first, I wouldn't even call it an irony nor a coincidence, it was just meant to be. I came across a survey, a nationwide survey, that had been finished, that had been published. And it was a giant paper about, again, school security kind of things and what particular schools were doing and what schools weren't doing. And then it was showing within this survey and within this nationwide paper what was successful and what wasn't. And if it was successful, then it led to these positive things. And if it was unsuccessful, then it led to these negative outcomes. Well, as you might expect, in this survey and in this paper, one of those negative outcomes was the Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut didn't have security cameras. Which meant, that's why Adam Lanza got away with it. That's why he was able to kill, quote-unquote, all of these people, because there were no security cameras. I immediately thought to myself, that seems odd. So here I am now, saying again, for the second time, two and a half years later, that seems odd. What was also interesting and fortuitous, I'll say, about that entire published paper and that published survey was when I was a middle school teacher before 2012, it could have actually been in the spring of 2012, I took that survey as a school teacher, as did my students in my homeroom class. So I administered that survey because that study came to my school and it came to our school district. So I actually filled it out based on what we were doing in our, in our district and in our building from a safety standpoint regarding XYZ. So I, I just thought that was interesting because here I am reading the final product of the thing that I was a part of at the, at the, at the base level research level, so to speak. So the question that I then started to ask myself when I was reading the paper and I was asking more questions in my head about Sandy Hook is I said to myself, I understand that lying takes place, but let's use the scientific method here. And I said to myself, let's examine all of the proof that this happened and look at it from that angle. Show me the evidence that this happened. And I started to watch videos and I started to watch alternative media 
And this was an interesting time, too, in American history because this was when YouTube had not changed its algorithms. YouTube was still running on its old algorithm. So you could find Sandy Hook videos on YouTube. You can't now. Now when you type in Sandy Hook into YouTube, you get CBS, ABC, NBC, PBS, National Geographic, Discovery Channel, blah, 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 blah. You get all of the propaganda. You don't come across any independent investigations, by and large, about what went on there and what did not go on there. And then, not only did I start to watch those, and those were not only eye-opening, but very revealing to the point where one video is all it would take to show anybody that it didn't happen. But I started to put together the numbers and the timeline of what was going on. Now, keep in mind, <clears throat> I'm, I'm running off of memory here, so I'm not going to look up all the, all the specific names and the, and, and the statistics right this second, just for the purpose of storytelling. But I started to look into a number of different things, and then I started to examine the pictures that were widely available of, of the school itself. And there was nothing about the building that looked like it was actually open for students to be educated in. The, the pictures of the building had a variety of different things that were very suspicious. Number one, the building itself was run down and very dirty looking. I'm not saying schools aren't. There are plenty that are. But this was odd that this was the case. <clears throat> the next thing was the mold that was inside and outside of the school building's foundation and along the walls inside of the building. I thought no, no school building would exist if there was mold on the inside and, and no one would be working inside of that building if that was the case. So then I thought to myself, well, why was the mold there? Did it flood? Was there a leak in the roof? What, what was going on? And it turns out that around that it was before the quote-unquote shooting which didn't happen, I'm getting to that, is that it was damaged from that hurricane that went right up the East Coast, bashed uh, New Jersey, Connecticut, and all of those Eastern Coast states. And it, I mean, it wiped out endless homes. And, and I remembered that picture in my head of Chris Christie hugging Barack Obama on the tarmac of, of an airport. Um just looking pathetic as if to say thank you for coming here and supporting us and give us all this money so that we can launder it and do whatever we do with it. Um, and then the insurance fraud that was taking, uh, taking place during all of that time. Not to mention, again, the inside look of these alleged classrooms. There were desks stacked up on top of one another. Desks on top of one another. Not just chairs on top of desks, but desks on top of one another. And then books everywhere. Stacked up in boxes all over the place, water-soaked boxes. It was very weird. And I thought, this is not a school building. This is a school supply depository. That's it. I, th I thought, well, of okay, so this isn't, this isn't a school. And then I thought to myself, what about the security cameras? Because again, back to my grad paper and back to that survey, why, why, why were there no security cameras? There should have been. And it said, well, and then the story, of course, was is that they took them out, and they took them out because 
you know, they, they couldn't afford them anymore. And I thought, well, where's the internet? Well, they didn't have internet then. They didn't have internet in the building. And I thought, you didn't, you don't have internet in the building and you don't have security cameras. This is not a school building. And then this was really kind of the kicker. They tore the building down within 48 hours after the alleged shooting. So you're getting rid of the crime scene. They flattened the entire building. And then they scooped up all the remains of the building, put them in giant dumpsters and giant trucks, and drove it away. Sorry, but um, that's, that's called fraud. That's fraud. And then it just got worse and worse from there. You, you, you go further down that rabbit hole, what you find is, is that the parents aren't parents, that they're actors. And these videos exist. Get on BitChute and type in Sandy Hook. Get on BitChute and type in Sandy Hook hoax and start watching these videos. We were lied to about the entire thing. Now this kicks up to another level, which is interesting. As you would expect, there are the alleged parents, which are in fact washed up old actors from Hollywood. So they probably work for the CIA or <clears throat> they do whatever they do. But one of them decided to come around a Southwest Ohio school district. And the Southwest Ohio school district hired this person to show up because they were doing speaking tours on school safety. And this particular individual who goes by the name of Nicole Hockley. Nicole Hockley is a fraud, in my opinion, allegedly. She's a fraud, allegedly, because they are claiming that their child was killed during this particular time. The other thing, too, that's odd, and I'll get back to this school story in a second, but allegedly all of these students, quote-unquote, and children, quote-unquote, were buried in the exact same place, which was not a cemetery. When have you ever heard of that? When have you ever heard of a handful of students being buried in the exact same place after an alleged incident where they allegedly got killed that isn't a cemetery, but an open field that they allegedly bought to bury them all allegedly? It's remarkably odd. So, back to the school thing. This Nicole Hockley person, if that's their real name, shows up and gives a, a talk to all of these students and all of these teachers and all of these administrators, milking this story for all it's worth. And, I de decide, and, and now, having realized that the entire thing was fraudulent, allegedly, that... I decided to email the history teachers, the science teachers, the administrators, and the school board members. We're talking about a bunch of emails. In almost every single building, or I believe it was the high school if I'm not mistaken, but within the high school within that district. And I told them and gave them the timeline in a very tactful email about what had gone on that day of the alleged shooting, what had taken place, how the timeline didn't match up, and then video links of what they should watch to learn more about how this entire thing was fraudulent, and that, allegedly, and that these individuals 
and that the individual speaking to them, who went by the name and goes by the name of Nicole Hockley, had, had in fact potentially been lying to them about everything that's been happening. Guess how many emails I got back in return to my email? If you guessed zero emails, you would be correct. I didn't get one email back. So I'm going to end that story there about Sandy Hook because if anybody does any serious investigation of it, which I did when I was in graduate school, and I was acquiring those skills while I was in graduate school, and then I just stayed on it. And it doesn't take very long to figure this out. But your television, again, stands for Tell a Vision. It doesn't stand for Tell the Truth. And the inventors of the TV know full well that if you show people something and you tell people something, the likelihood of them believing it is remarkably high instead of an individual actually investigating anything about it. Because that takes more effort, and that takes more thought, which is actually a bigger picture worth digesting here, which is that's why we are experiencing all of the problems that we're experiencing now as a country and throughout the world. It's lying, and it's that simple. It's just flat-out lying. So... I'm not going to bring up the Sandy Hook stuff anymore. Keep an eye on that case. I think that's remarkably interesting. I think it's fantastic. I think Remington is going to win this case. I think these Sandy Hook parents, allegedly, are going to lose. Um, one last thing that was kind of funny. Uh, when this alleged Adam Lanza shot through the front window of that alleged school building, it wasn't an AR round that ended up hitting the bookcase that was right next to the front window. It was a gunshot blast that allegedly came from a police officer or a federal agent, which is interesting too, because there was buckshot in the bookcase, not AR-15 rounds. Because if it was an AR-15 round, it would be a hole instead of multiple BB buckshot. So, again, if you don't believe me, that's fine. You don't have to. You need to think for yourself and look this stuff up on BitChute. I'm sure it's on Rumble, too, if you look hard enough. Um, these videos exist everywhere, and they are absolutely incredible and eye-opening. So, again, the lesson there, which is always a valuable lesson, don't believe everything you see, don't believe everything you hear, and you don't have to believe anything that I just told you. You can look it up yourself if you're interested, and I highly recommend doing that. So speaking of frauds, or alleged frauds, this is arguably one of the larger ones that's taking place right now, and it has to do with the money mismanagement of what's going on in this giant money scheme that's taking place. At the end of this week, we're going to have Vanessa Hurst back, and she's going to also help me break this down because this is huge. Now, earlier in the week on my Gab account, I had a family member send me this excellent information, both in PDF for higher ed and a website, which was a database for what's going on in K-12 education regarding the money, the, the COVID money and the CARES Act money and, and all of this other stuff. Um, it's overwhelming the amount of money that's being given to school districts and states as long as they keep their COVID abusive policies in place. 
If they take those policies away, they don't get the money. It really is that cut and dry. So they've deleted the database now to make it more difficult for people to find out exactly how much money is being spent in their district. That, that's not an accident that that was deleted. It existed for a few days on my Gab account. Now you click on that website and it says, sorry, error, all of this is gone. Uh, now you have to get on oese.ed.gov. And I'm going to link these addresses in the these web links in the description below because it too is is harder to determine now, but you can still type in your state albeit a little bit of a different system, but you can type in your own state and you can see exactly what money, how much money uh, is being allocated to, to each state. Does it break it down by district? That I don't know anymore because, again, the previous database did, but now that's been deleted, which, again, is a giant on purpose, not an accident. So to open this up very briefly... I'm just going to mention a few highlights, or at least one highlight that I've that I've noted from from the state where I live and and the local area. The local school district, Talawanda City Schools, where I you know where I used to go to high school as a student, but it, it happens to still be in the same town, unfortunately, and I am still here, uh, although I've moved back, of course. Is the they're receiving over four million dollars on a year in year out basis to to keep these communistic uh, approaches and abuses in place. That That's awful, and it goes without saying. So again, the large umbrella is very simply put this way. They're being paid to abuse your children. That's it. They're being paid <clears throat> to keep your children in masks, distanced, and uh, tested, and traced, and tracked, and, and quarantined, and whatever. The frightening part is this, that's not going away because school districts are now paying an outside group, which we're going to get into with Vanessa more in depth on, on Friday's episode, but they're paying an outside group to implement these policies within schools now. So talk about money laundering. It's federal funds being given to states to then be given to outside agencies, to then have those outside agencies come back into American schools, and this, I'm sure this is happening all over the world, to then implement these policies on making the mask wearing and the distancing permanent. And I mean permanent. Ultimately leading to getting every child jabbed and every school staff member jabbed but then keeping those abusive policies in place permanently. So that's the word permanent that I would encourage everybody to wrap their heads around because this isn't going away. It's getting worse. Fortunately, we're not the only people that know about this. Lots of other people do in lots of other countries as well. I'm going to play this audio. This comes from Son of Enos on Gab. It's, it's footage from a school board meeting. I don't know where this school board meeting took place. I don't know if it was in Canada or the United States, but this individual comes up to the lectern and asks the school board members, in particular the president, how much money they're receiving 
for these COVID relief fund stuff? And then what are they spending it on? And they can't answer the most basic questions, which should prove to everybody that the criminal organization continues to exist, grease its own wheels with its own federal funds just to abuse your children. So give this a listen. At the last meeting, I and other parents were up front with you, and we told you that we would no longer accept a lesser education for our children based on their medical status, or we would not enroll our children here. If forced vaccination, forced mask wearing, or social distancing were on the table, we have a right to decide where and how our children attend school. You have the responsibility to be upfront with us, and you are not. You rightly feared that we would pull our children from the district. We transparently told you as much. This is seven minutes long, by the way, so bear with me, get comfortable. Um, yeah, it's seven minutes long, but trust me, it's worth it. So let me tell you why we are really here today. It has nothing to do with the COVID-19 virus being an emergency threat, and it's all about the money for following federal and state COVID-19 protocols. I have a question for the board and the superintendent. I respectively reclaim my time for any and all of your responses. Are you in possession of or slated to receive any state or federal funding and or grants on the condition of universal masking or any COVID-19 related protocols of anyone, staff and or student for the entirety of the Vermillion Local School District? I'm, I'm asking you a direct question, sir. Answer the question. Mr. Clay Sharp. So as far as the possession or condition... Uh, yes or no, please. Yes or no, please. I'm going to ask you to please Yes or no, please. Ask the question. Repeat. Repeat the question. I'll read it one more time. Are you in possession of or slated to receive any state or federal funding and or grants on the condition of universal masking or any COVID-19 related protocols of anyone, staff and or student for the entirety of the Vermillion Local School District? Yes or no? I understand the question. I'm yes. Um, we have a lot of federal grants. We have a lot of Did receive. That's what he's asking. So tell him you are receiving money by making our kids wear masks. 
on the bosses. On the bosses when you asked me. Thank you. I, I, I was truthful. I answered you when you, when you called me and asked. All funding. All funding. Not just busting. Any other funds. Understood. And the treasurer is speaking. So, again, answer your questions. Title one, no. IDEA, no. IDEA Part B, no. Title two, no. Esser, no. Esser two, no. Esser three, I would My question was any, sir. Any one in the room in my head. My question is any, and I will give you time, but I don't need an individualization of them. I need you to give me the answer that I asked you for, sir. Your answer is yes. Yes or no, please. No, 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 no. That's the not what you want. And I will remind you that if you receive federal money after this, you are, or state money after this, and you say no, you are in violation of a federal crime. Correct. Yes. Poor answer. Don't smile. That's not what we're talking about right here. This is funny. Just answer the question. So, are you saying that no, you're not going to see any federal funds for my previous question? How much money is SR3, sir? That's kind of important. You were asking very specific questions, and I did not have. It really is appalling to me that every time you ask your question, I thank you, sir. That's what we're going to have to touch on. No! No! You were answering my question, I replayed my time. I'm not done. You guys have committed a crime. You have committed a crime and let the next person speak on record. I understand. You guys have broken the law. Thank you. All right, thank you for coming up and speaking. You broke a ton of laws. You lied to us. And now you will be held accountable. I want each and every one of your resignations immediately. Thank you. Thank you. Didn't all districts receive some sort of thing? Related to COVID relief. Look at this. Yes, look. Yes. Somehow he knows he needs a treasure. But it, but it was not. It was not on the condition of masks. It was COVID relief funding. No, no, busting is different. But there was COVID relief funding that all districts got. We already have the receipts that you did. We already know that you guys are not being truthful with us. We're telling you right now that you're in trouble going to jail. You need to resign now. Or we're going to follow you with legal processes anyway. You might as well lawyer up because it's time. Mm -hmm. For those that have listened to this podcast since the winter or spring of this year, and you've been consistently listening, first of all, again, thank you. Second of all, you know that 
<clears throat> I've basically stuck flags in the ground. Sort of, uh, you know, it's going to sound arrogant, but sort of ahead of the curve. And I've said, I've no, you know, I, I've noticed this particular thing or this particular phenomenon, and this is this is a flag that has to be stuck in the ground as a marker to essentially say this is what now needs to happen or this needs to become the trend in particular in school board meetings going forward. I, I firmly believe that if a person again doesn't want to do what I did and say what I said, which anybody can look up, even if you want to write it down and read it verbatim, you can do that. If you don't want to do that from a medical standpoint, so to speak, and, and a, a, a anatomical, physiological standpoint with the jabs, I fully get it. If you, if you don't want to do that, go after the finances. Because again, the finances is another flag. And I'm, it's not that I'm behind the curve, but I'm certainly not ahead of it when it, you know, when it came to that. I had my suspicions, as we all did, that this is a giant money laundering scheme. And it clearly is. But this is a flag where I think more and more people can get involved now and go after these school board members for the money mismanagement. Because yes, you heard the one individual who was working for the school board there, and they said, it's not tied to mask wearing. That the funds that we receive is not tied to mask wearing. On the contrary, it is tied to mask wearing. That has a lot to do with it. That's a big piece of it. And the distancing and, well, we're wiping things down and we have the gloves and we have boxes of masks and we have the plexiglass and we have this and we have that. All of that is part of it. Not to mention, again, they're using the funds to pay outside agencies to give them advice, to give the schools advice as to what to do for XYZ. I've also seen another video that's bouncing around on Rumble where the individual is talking about how the K-12 school districts are using these federal funds to make structural repairs to their schools, whether that be replacing air conditioning, uh, replacing filters, replacing uh, leaks in roofs, whatever it may be. And they're, and, and they're doing all of this under the guise of it being for quote-unquote COVID relief. Sorry, I'm not buying it. Um, no one's buying it anymore. And the statistics are out there. Unfortunately, though, like I said earlier, the database is being deleted and um, it's being hidden and being hard and, and it's becoming harder and harder to find on purpose. So I'm going to link those web addresses below. Hopefully they continue to exist in the future. There's another one, which is the ncsl.org which is the National Conference of State Legislators. And the website specifically, again, I'll link it in the description, but it's titled Elementary and Secondary School Emergency Relief Fund Tracker. And it comes from June 23rd of this year. And you scroll down a little bit, and then there's a search by state bar, and you can type in your state and then hit enter, and it pops up the financial statistics for the state. Now, does it break down the actual specific school district information as to what each school district is receiving? No, it doesn't, at least not based on what I'm looking at right now. But it has what they call ESSER funds, E-S-S-E-R, ESSER 1, ESSER 2, ESSER 3. 
So I'm just looking at Alabama here because they're all in alphabet uh, alphabetical order. It has the ESSER 3 funds for Alabama, which seem to be the higher amount for every state. And it has the number at 2 billion, 20 million, $70,466. The excuses, too, that they're providing for what they're spending the money on is also incredible. So I've scrolled down just a few states. Again, they're in alphabetical order, but you can find your state by just typing it into the search bar. So I scrolled down to Arkansas. And again, we're going to get into this deeper with Vanessa Hurst, I'm 100% I'm certain. In particular, that outside agency that these schools are hiring, which is frightening. And it really is. Their website is frightening, but we'll get into that later in the week. It says this at the at the very bottom. There's there's three three bullet points for their ESSER two funds. And this is again, this is Arkansas. So we're talking about five hundred and fifty-eight million seventeen thousand four hundred and nine dollars for their ESSER two funds. And then you read ESSER two, which by the way, they're never showing where the ESSER 3 money seems to be going. You can see ESSER 1, and sometimes they'll let you see ESSER 2, but they're not showing you where ESSER 3 funds are going. So for Arkansas, it says, for this, for ESSER 2, it says 4.6 million of the 55.8 million is being used to cover unmet COVID-19 emergency leave claims from school employees in the first semester of the year. The purpose of the covid leave funding was to encourage sick employees to stay home and not spread the virus without using their traditional sick leave or losing pay if they did not have any sick days to use. It's just outrageous. And then the last two bullet points say this, 23.2 million will be allocated to districts that receive less than $600 per student in ESSER 2 funds, which was awarded a portion of the overall state set-aside funds to bring the district up to a base amount. That's lost on me. Here's the last part, and this is where it gets even more suspicious. The last bullet point reads like this, quote, the rest of the set-aside, th that's how they say it, the rest of the set-aside is going to be used to address unmet student needs and learning gaps. There are plans to use about $12 million from the state's share of the Federal Emergency Relief Act funds and $5 million from the GEER program funds to build a statewide strategy for mental health and behavioral support. Up to $7.5 million is being earmarked for teaching academics, quote-unquote, to increase the numbers of special education and computer science teachers and to enhance teacher skills in online education. As much as $5 million is being reserved for addressing the needs of students who are at risk for not graduating because they stopped attending or rarely participated in online or on-site classes during the pandemic. One million will be allocated to upgrade the heating and cooling systems at the state's Little Rock schools for deaf and blind students. That's all Arkansas. And then there's a tab below where it says more information here. I click on it and it takes me to the Arkansas Department of Education. ADE provides additional $23.2 in COVID relief 
in COVID federal funds to 39 districts, and it's a giant PDF. Well, it's not a giant PDF. It's only two pages long. But there you go. There's so much to dig here. There's so much information here. It's overwhelming. But to even look at this at face value, if the word fraud and money laundering doesn't enter your mind, then you're blind to what's actually happening here. So I, again, I'm going to link these in the description below. I encourage you to look these up regarding your state and local districts and make sure that if you have family members who are still attending these abusive environments, that you arm them with this information so that they can start bringing this information to those school boards because the school boards think they're getting away with this. So don't let them get away with it. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.